you to be in this service. Lord, that you will just open up our hearts and minds and understanding to what you want. God, I will worship you in the beauty of holiness. I give this service to you. Speak through me today, God. I can't do this on my own. But God, have your perfect will and way in this service in the powerful name of Jesus. And let the church say amen. You may be seated. There's been several things that the Lord has been dealing with me on and, and uh, dealing with me on a personal basis. And as we become kingdom-minded in this church, he has let me know that it is his will that the gifts of the Spirit be in operation in this church. And with that being said, I pray, Lord, make me sensitive to the direction that you want this service to go. And I pray every time, Lord, make me sensitive to what you want, to make me sensitive to, to what you want me to say. But he, he says sometimes I am so focused on getting what I'm saying across and trying to get a response out of the church that sometimes I miss the opportunity of being used in the spirit and being used for the gift that he has placed upon me and for the praying of the sick and for the praying of of those that are oppressed so i, I i'm trying to to uh hone my 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 spirit to his so that when he says to stop it's time to pray that i will do that a lot of times people say pastor didn't you hear hear that child that was just screaming throughout the whole service didn't you see that person that was acting up no i don't because i'm so focused in in the anointing of preaching that sometimes i don't I'm not aware of what's going on, but he says you need to be alert of my spirit so that I can use you and pray for those that are in need. And so being kingdom-minded and spiritually-minded and allowing ourselves to be used in the gifts of the spirit is what God is trying to accomplish in this church. I want the gifts of the spirit to be in operation in this church. I want to see healing. I want to see the miraculous take place at this church. But as we have entered into a time of, uh, of Christmas and all the joy that, that comes with it, one thing that is on the back of my mind and has been for, for, for a long time since the pandemic has started is how can we continue to have church and how can we continue to do what we normally do uh, with everything that's taking place and without the uh, uh, things coming into the church and people being affected. And, and it's brought a lot of, of, of fear. It's brought a lot of mistrust and it's brought a lot of, uh, of things. But one thing I will say, no matter what happens to the church, we will have church. Whether it is here in the building or whether it is online, we will have church. Because we have to understand the church has operated for many years, sometimes underground. Sometimes not in the church building, but sometimes in somebody's basement, sometimes in somebody's living room. But the church has always survived through all of the hardships and through all of the problems and through all the trials that has come the church's way. The church has always survived and the church has always been victorious. But there are some that believe that, that, uh, as, as we are gathered here and, and we're starting to realize, I'm realizing more about relationships than I have ever done all of my life and all this time that I have taken relationships for granted and, and I've just, uh, uh, uh overlooked and, and, and failed to maintain relationships that God has let me know that, that some have viewed coming to church as their ticket to heaven. Can I say that just because you are gracing the pews this morning does not give you an instant ticket into heaven. Just because you show up every Sunday does not mean that you are allowed into the pearly gates. But can I say that it is all about relationship. You have to have a relationship with God because we may not be able to come into this church building to have church and we may not be able to be 
be here and fellowship one with another. That's why we have to have a personal relationship with him. And that's why you have to have yourself planted in the word of God. And that's why you have to have your own prayer time. It's because we may not be able to do this in this building, but you may have to do it all on your own. That's why you can't get to heaven on your pastor's coattails. You can't get to heaven on mama's coattails, but you got to have this relationship all to yourself, and you have to figure this out all by yourself. So while we are here, I will continue to give my all. I will continue to preach and I will continue to worship. But we have to understand, you have to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. I used to think that, well, I showed up, so there's that, that little gold star up on my, my, my chart there up in heaven. So I can say, see, God, look at all these stars. I was there every time the door opened. But did you pray at home? How many times did you speak to your neighbor about church? How many times did you let your, your neighbor know, hey, God still loves you? But I showed up at church. I said amen when the, when the preacher said amen. I amen him to death. See there? Look at that gold star. But what have you done for the kingdom? I've heard so many people over the years, use different lines for how they live their life. My dad said that he was king of his castle. And dad had the voice to let you know he was king of his castle. He didn't have to threaten to spank me. All he had to do was raise his voice. Because dad had this deep, booming, low voice. And when dad spoke, I trembled. Because I knew I was in for something. But he said he was king of the castle. He was man of his house. He was master of his domain. He was head of the household. He was the boss. I say, and I hear this all the time, that, that the man is the, the head of the home, but the wife is the neck that turns that head. And that is true. Don't think that this is all about me because my wife has major influence into my thinking because I'll say things and I'll think this and I want to do it this way and here comes the voice of reason and turns that head into, well, maybe I won't do it that way. <laughs> I've heard this, it's, it's my way or the highway. I also heard it saying that, that I am a rock, I am an island. Mr. James Brown said, it's a man's world. And the ladies' movement nowadays is saying, no, it's not a man's world. I've heard it said, I don't need no man. I don't need this. I can do it all on my own. And many other sayings that people will say to how they lead their lives. Being on a sales team, I find it interesting. Now, I've always heard the quote that the customer is always right. And I find this to be true because even when that customer's wrong, that customer's right. <laughs> even if I tell them, listen, that, that, that widget is $1.99. No, you said it was $1.50. And I get this because... My job is to serve their needs. My job is to, to get things done. So they tell me when they want it. They tell me how they want it. They tell me where they want it. And if any of these perimeters are, are broken, if any of these things don't meet the way that they look at it, then there's another distributor right around the corner that is willing to take my place and do my job if I don't do what the customer wants. So now I find my sales going to somebody else because the customer is always right. Find it interesting. I went to Walmart on Black Friday because I had to pick up a couple things. Not shopping, I just some necessities. And I didn't want to go. 
because I thought this was going to be pure craziness, that, that, that everything is just going to, you know, I, I'm going to have to, to do this, that, and the other and fight people out of my way. And, and uh, it wasn't like that. It was, the store was rather empty as, as what I would think Black Friday would be. And it's going to be a very interesting year. I remember when Walmart started rising up in muscle and coming into small towns and putting mom and pop out of business. And a lot of good people lost their jobs and lost their income because Walmart, who has the buying capabilities and, and, and has the power and the volume to, to shut a lot of things down and dictate how much and how they're going to do things, well, now Walmart is in that position of the mom and pops as Amazon's coming along. Show of hands, how many has ordered things online already? How many will continue to order things online? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? I could sit in my jammies, in my underbunders if I want to, not bother anybody. And I can order, and I can, and I can pick out, I can pick what color, I can pick what size, I can pick whatever I want, and guess what? I won't have to get out of my car. I won't even have to get out of my house, push there we go, push there, and guess what? It shows up on my doorstep. I don't have to do anything. And now Walmart's having to adjust, and Walmart's having to, to redo and rethink things. Why? Because somebody is doing things a little bit differently, and the customers are liking that. So I understand that if I'm to compete with the other distributors, I have to be one step above my competition, or my sales dollars will go there. So in our text, we find Jesus right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Here it is. He's teaching everything that we need to know how to live our lives, how to deal with one another, how to deal with, with our spouses, and just how to love one another and how to forgive one another. And right in the middle of this great teaching, we, we find how he gives us this pattern of prayer and how to pray. He said, speak in this manner. Now, this isn't the prayer that we pray all the time, but it, it's just a formula for how we pray. And right in the middle of, of, of this teaching and right in the middle of this, this, this prayer, he states, thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we have to understand that he does want a kingdom to be established in our town, that he wants a kingdom to be established in your life. But in order for a kingdom to be established, we have to understand that there has to be a king that in order for us to allow his kingdom to be set up in our lives, in our homes, and in our church, we have to recognize, we have to see and know who he is. And the problem people have with their own spiritual lives and the problem people have in their homes is they don't have that relationship because they don't understand who he really is. I understand him as a healer and a miracle worker. Why? Because I've had healings and I've seen healings and I've had miracles in my life. I know he's a forgiver. Why? Because I failed and I've fallen and I know he's forgiven me. So I understand him to be a forgiving God. I've heard somebody, this just kind of came across me one time and somebody says, well, this person... Uh, doesn't like you because they think you're this. And I'm like, well, that's not me at all. It sounded like I was this very mean, very harsh, very rough pastor. And I'm like, well, I don't think I come across that way. But, but this person said this to another person. It got back to me that they just feel you are a very, very mean type person. And I'm like, well, Maybe they're saying that because they don't know who I really am. I can be mean if I have to be. I don't want to be, but there is a mean side to me. 
I, I don't want to be rough and I don't want to be this way, but I can be if I have to be. But for the most part, I think I'm just this easygoing, just very, oh, I sound like I'm patting myself on the back, a, a very pleasant type guy. That's my personality. I enjoy people. I enjoy talking to people, and I enjoy laughing, and I enjoy just being around people. But, but somehow they thought that I was this mean person, and the reason they thought that is because they don't know. You don't know me. They don't know me. And that's why some people have a problem with God, is they don't have that relationship and know who he is. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it seems like the world, the church, is trying to go in survivor mode. It seems like we are just doing whatever we can just to get by, just to survive. But God is wanting his kingdom set up in your life and in this church and in this community. Not that we could just get by, but that we can have life and that more abundantly. Yes, we have to adjust a few things. And, and yes, I have to wear this. And, and yes, I have to wash my hands quite a bit. But that's okay. That's okay. See, I wasn't around in the 50s, in the 40s, that when the air raid alarm would go off, people would have to take cover. But see, my parents lived that life. Was it annoying? Yes, that right in the middle of your life, the sirens go off, and now you got to take cover. But they survived it. Had a good friend who was working at headquarters in St. Louis. and He's from, from London, and I love this accent. Love that British accent. And he had stories of what his parents and grandparents survived, of coming home and having to take shelter and, and just parts of, of their neighborhood just being totally bombed and, and in ruins. He said, but they would come out. And guess what? Neighbor would start helping neighbor, trying to clean up, just trying to help one another and get by. And they survived, and they lived through it. So this pandemic and the way we're doing things, yes, it can, it's a little annoying, and yes, we have to change some things. I still cannot get it through me that when I get to a store, you think it would be natural that I would, I have this on my, my, my sun visor, that I would just take it right off, and I would put it right on, and then I would go to the store. No, I get halfway to the store, and I almost get to the door, and I'm, oh, rats, and turn around, got to walk all the way back to the car and get this little stinking blue thing and put it on. You think I'd have it by now. So it's an adjustment. It's a change. But it's what we need to do at this time. So the Lord has been dealing with me of his will, his kingdom being done in heaven, and his will being done here on earth. The question is, am I allowing him his will? Am I allowing his kingdom to be set up? in my life, and in my home. Because how many have wasted days, months, and years trying to do things our own way? You know, there's a reason why. And I'm planning one sometime, as soon as I can afford to have the speaker come. But there's a reason why we have marriage retreats. It's because I have to work on understanding my wife a little bit better. That I have to work on that relationship and I have to get to know what works and what doesn't work. You think after 30 some odd years, I would have this down pat. I still don't. I'm still working on it. Because there's still times that she wants to kill me. 
There's still times where I say the wrong thing at the wrong time. It's called maintenance. It's called maintenance. I have to work on it. For Larry, you probably benefit from people that don't maintain their car. Change the oil at every 15,000, that's what I say. Well, that's not what the manufacturer says. Pull it in and get that, that flashing engine light. I don't know what that means. Check engine. I checked it. It's still there. So you benefit of people that will just ignore whatever that sound is that's going on underneath the hood. Ignore. Why is that oil light just seem to be flashing? Well, I don't know. The car's still running, so I guess everything's okay. I thought I was going to get my brother's 1975 beautiful, beautiful white Volkswagen Bug. That was my dream, that when I turned 16, I was going to get that car. I always wanted a Volkswagen Bug, and as God is my witness, if I ever get some extra money, I'm going to find me an old Volkswagen Bug just to work on and, and pooter around town in. Well, he didn't know that you're supposed to put oil in the Volkswagen Bug. And that nice Volkswagen bug motor locked up, burnt up, and that's the last time I saw that. But you've got to maintain your stuff. I find, and I'm, I'm, I'm finding it interesting now, that uh, you've got to keep an eye on what these warranties are that you're getting on things. Because it says it has a lifetime warranty doesn't mean that, that that's just it. No matter what happens, that that warranty gets honored. <laughs> We took on this new line of air conditioning this past year because our manufacturer was having trouble providing product. So we bought product from another manufacturer, and it had a five-year warranty on it. And I thought, that's great. Ours has 10, but okay, it does have a five-year warranty on it. And then I pulled up the fine print on that warranty, Brother, Brother Wilson, and it says if something breaks, you have to provide documentation that you have maintenance on this unit every season. Wow. So if I didn't have somebody come out and clean this unit and check it, the warranty is void. So I say, what? look at the fine print, church. I'm seeing now carpet manufacturers. I know carpet's going away and, and uh, hardwood floor is in, but uh, I saw a carpet, and, you know, it had lifetime warranty on this carpet, lifetime stain-resistant, lifetime whatever. And then in the fine print, it says you have to have the carpet professionally clean once a year in order to maintain that warranty. So as we go through our days, and, and I'm understanding a little bit more about relationships and, and his will and, and, and what he wants in this church, that there have been so many wasted times because I wanted to do things my way. And some who have grown weary and tired from wearing your own crown and fighting to do things your way. I had a dear, sweet woman call me at 7.30 this morning. My phone rings. It's never good when your phone rings early in the morning. It's either the boss or it's a problem. But this dear sweet lady who I haven't spoken to in years, who used to sit, Sister Joanne, about just a few, few uh, things down from you on that pew, used to sit right there, her and her family, called me this morning in tears, Pastor, I should have listened to you. I should have listened to you. She said, I didn't fight for my marriage. I, let, I, let, I just let him go. And I'm to a point now where I'm desperate. I need God. How many people will we hear of prodigals who have to reach that rock bottom before they come back to God? I was on the phone. I called Brother Tucker in Springfield, and I said, hey, Bo, here, here's, a, here's a lady that you need to reach out to. She's, she's ready for God. But how many people that I have come across that, that just wanted to do things their way? But we cannot have that mentality when it comes to the house of God. 
Can I preach to you what happens to the house of God when we decide we want to do things our way? Discouragement starts to creep in. Disunity starts to creep in. Depression will creep in. Spiritual, spiritual shackles and chains will become the norm if we start doing things our way. Because I see where joy will be replaced with sadness. I will see people with broken hearts and broken homes and broken lives and dissatisfied with everything and everyone. Because they want to do it their way. But in order for us to let his kingdom rule here in this church, we have to allow him to have his will in our lives. Because as pastor, can I say, it is not his will that we live with discouragement. See, people become so used to it that it becomes a norm in their life. They think that, that the depression that they have, this has just been a part of my life. It's just who I am, and it, it's just how I am right now. But it's not his will that somebody walks into this place depressed, living with it. It is not his will that somebody walks into this church bound. It is not his will that somebody walks around all the time sick and sickly. It is not his will that we walk around with broken hearts and broken homes and broken lives that's not his will but if we let his kingdom set up in our hearts and in our lives it will when we let him and allow his will to overrule our will because what happens when his kingdom becomes established in your life and when we let his kingdom be established in this church, revival breaks out amongst us. And it's because that's his will. Revival is his will for your life. Revival is his will and what his kingdom becomes about. Lives start to be restored because his kingdom is coming into Pontiac. Prodigals will start coming coming back to the altar because that is his kingdom and that is his will. When we allow his kingdom to take place, miracles start happening in the place. Discouragement starts to leave the house. Discouragement will leave your life when you allow his kingdom to be set up in your heart. I say this, Lord, let your kingdom be established here today. In all areas, discouragement, leave this house because his kingdom is being established. Joy, I want you to fill this house because his kingdom is being established in this place. Can I say, the devil himself cannot stop his kingdom from being established in this church the devil himself cannot stop uh, his kingdom from being established uh, in Pontiac, Illinois. But I can stop it. I see everybody looking at me like, what are you talking about, pastor? I have the capability of stopping his kingdom from being established in my life. And in my home, we have to understand that it's not about us. I know some people think that because I'm the pastor, that it's about me and it's about my way. That I just, and I know I've had pastor friends that are this way. They just want to snap their fingers and somebody comes up to do this and and they enjoy that power. But it's not about me. It's, about, it's not about what are you going to do to serve me. What are you going to do to take care of me? It's not about me. It's about his kingdom being set up. If it means... If it means stooping down, washing the feet of my brother, to 
bring revival. It's not about me. God, it's about your kingdom being set up here in Pontiac, Illinois. What this church needs is less of me and more of him. So if you're having problems right now, I say let your will go and let him be established in your life. If you're needing revival in your soul right now, it's not about you. Let his kingdom be set up in your heart right now. Because it's not about us. God, it's about your will being done here in Pontiac as it is in heaven. But I know some people think, well, it's just about the pastor and his family, but that's not what it's all about. This is his church. I'm just the under-shepherd. And I have to give account for everyone that walks into this building. But I want you to know I alone can stop revival from being set up and his kingdom from being set up in my life and in my heart. I alone can stop his blessings from coming my way. I alone can stop the victories from happening. I alone can stop the flow of anointing from happening. But I've already decided. I've already settled it in my spirit. I've already got it settled. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. No matter how hard life gets, no matter what happens to our country, no matter what this pandemic does, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, let your kingdom come. Matthew 26 and 51. I like this. It says, behold, one of them. If you're reading John chapter 18, it says it was Peter. But Matthew says, behold, one of them. Talking about the disciples, which was with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew out his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and it smote his ear off. Peter's a lot like a lot of us. We react out of emotion. We may not have a sword or a knife by our side prayerfully, hopefully. But a lot of us have reacted emotionally and we cut our brothers and sisters with words that we have said. They pulled the sword out. Smote off the ear. I don't know if that's what he was aiming for, but that's what he got. Jesus said in verse number 52, put away again the sword into its place for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. In other words, he's trying to tell the disciple, stop trying to do it your way. Because you must yield to his will in order for him to accomplish what he wants in your life. I want his will to be done in this church. And I've been praying that his will be done in every house. Because I found out we can't bend or manipulate or break the rules and expect a great result. I remember talking about this. This is how, this is where life is now. That uh, I used to have, you know, be able to shuttle my kids all around. We go to the store. We do this. We do that. But now I have grandpuppies that will meet me on the porch, and they will come and go for a ride with me, and I'll take them with me. But I remember as a young parent, and I remember... As a dad saying, and we always had a minivan. The kids get in the very back. In the back. I want that buffer zone. And I would hear, Dad! She's touching me! Dad! 
He's touching me. So dad would say what? Stop touching. Exactly. So you know what I would hear next? I'm not touching. I'm not touching. And I just want to slam on those brakes and throw those kids right up to the dashboard and beat every one of them. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. But you see, they thought that they could bend or manipulate what dad said. We're not, I'm not touching. But they're like this close to their faces. I'm not touching. And some people feel that they can bend or manipulate the word of God or leave out certain scriptures that they don't like and it doesn't pertain to them. But can I say, that's now not how God's kingdom works. That he expects us to honor and to live by every line that is in the word. That if it's sin, if it's wrong, then don't do it and avoid it. So I say to the church, and I know I don't have this problem, but I will, I will put this out there anyway. You must submit to the man of God, and you must submit to the will of God in order for spiritual blessings to come your way. But you see, I've been around this long enough to know that people want to live as some apostolic lone ranger where they don't need a pastor in their life. I don't need somebody telling me what to do, and I will just go about life as usual because I'm going to do what I'm going to, I won't do. And you start to spot these people because they're the ones where going to every church service now becomes optional. They're the ones where the prayer room becomes optional. Where paying your tithes and offering becomes optional. Winning someone to the Lord or reaching out to the, the lost and to the harvest is now optional or non-existent. Pastor, you don't understand. I got movies to watch. I got games to play and I got things to do and I got a couch that's calling my name right now. You want me to pray at home? I pray every meal that I eat, Pastor. I got a prayer life. Don't feel too proud about yourselves. We got two dogs that pray before they eat. They will not eat until they reach out their paw and you pray with them and they give you a little kiss and then they will eat. Otherwise, they're just walking around. What do we do? We can't eat. What do we do? Come on, let's pray. Thanks to that one right there. Will not eat his food until you pray with him to eat his food. But I found out a lot of people are control freaks. And they want to be in control. But as we are about to step into a new year, God is wanting to set up the miraculous and set up his kingdom right here in Pontiac, Illinois. Oh, I've heard it said. Many times by some church members and some by people that don't even go to this church. That's not a revival church. That's not a revival church. I got word for you. This is a revival church for all who wants it, for all who desires it, for all who is craving for it. Revival is here. Revival is now. Don't you think that the Spirit of God has left this building, that the anointing of God has raised, arose and, and is not upon this church? God's hand is upon this church, and he's doing a work right here in this building with the very people that are in this building, and he wants it to continue, and he wants it to grow. But we have to understand, we have to let his will be done in order for his kingdom to come.
So in order, he, he, he said this to me, my kingdom will come when you get over yourself and start praising me. I thought I, I thought I was doing a pretty good job of praising you, God. Uh-uh. He said, you got to get over yourself and you give yourself totally to praise. It's not my will. It's his will that this church be known as a praising church. I want you to know that as long as I got, and, and, and I thank God for the strength that I have in these legs. It's not much. It's not like it used to be. But while I have breath and while I have strength, I will praise my God with all that I have because it's a not about me. It's about him receiving the glory. It's about him receiving praise. When we realize it's not how I feel, it's not about what I'm going through at this time. It's about blessing the name of the Lord and giving him glory. He has not changed church. He has not changed his mind. So why don't we just come to church with praise on our lips uh, and a joy and a dance in our step and praise him for what he's already done we realize that we should bless the lord at all times well pastor you don't know the phone call that i just got That means when you get a good phone call and when you get that bad phone call, you're going to bless the Lord. Huh. Bless the Lord at all times and let his praise continually be in your mouth. And when you do that, his kingdom will be established in your life. Huh. I remember the, the old gospel group, the Imperials. They're still around, believe it or not. They're called the, it's funny how as things get older, we're not vintage. We're now called classic. So church, I'm not old. I'm just classic. The old group Petra is now classic Petra. And now the Imperials are no longer the Imperials. Now they're called the classic Imperials. So I thought with the classic Imperials, maybe it's the classic singers. Well, no, I didn't know who they were. It's one, Paul Smith, who took over for us staff. He's still in there. But all the other guys I don't recognize. So I got out my old 1983 Imperials album called Side by Side, where each one of them did one side of an album. And the bass player sang this song called They'll See God There. And one of the lines to the song says, when the devil looks at me, he won't see me. He'll see God there. It got me thinking, you know what? That's awesome. I want so much of God in my life that when the devil looks at me, he won't see me. He'll see God and he knows, hey, I got to go. I want God to be seen in this church so much the devil says, I can't mess with him. I can't even see him because there's so much of God in the place. But it comes when we put our stuff aside and praise him with all that we have. I wonder what would happen to an apostolic service, not just, just church, but any church, if everybody just came to church and 100% gave all that they had in the praise service. I'll tell you what would happen. His kingdom will set up. What will happen when, when everybody, I know everybody has bad days and they have bad mornings and this happened and that happened. I understand that. I have, do you know, let me, let, let me say this. <laughs> everybody decided to go on vacation at the same time. So Zachary and Carissa decided, hey, dad, can you watch our dogs? Okay, I can watch your dogs. Well, can you go feed our cats? Can you go feed our frogs? And can you go feed our fish? Sure, I could do that. My next door neighbor, Kevin, and his wife go and leave out of town. And they said, hey, can you watch our dogs? Feed our dogs. Let them out. I said, sure, I could do that. 
So this morning I had to get up and I had to let four dogs out. I had to feed. I had to, uh, Before anything was going on, I had to make sure the dogs were taken care of. And I'm grumbling the whole time. It's cold out. I'm letting these dogs out and they're, not, they're just running around. They're not doing what I let them out to do. All these things that I, I, I had to do before I even stepped foot into the house of God. And I say that because we all have lives and things go wrong. And we wake up late and we push the snooze button a little too long. And I walk out, there's a flat tire on the car. And I can't find my, my best tie. And, and the kids aren't listening. And everybody's scrambling. And I'm trying to get to church on time. And everything's going wrong. And I come into church. And I've already got that scowl on my face. All the while, God is here at the church saying, I'm still here. I'm still here. I still have everything that you need. I know what you're going through right now. I know the sickness in your body. And I know this financial need that you have. And I know all the emotional stuff that's going on in your head. And I'm still here. And I haven't And the Lord said to me, you've been riding in your comfort zone. Isn't it interesting that we get so into routine and we go so get into what the norm is and we get comfortable at doing this one thing that we don't like to step outside of what we say is our comfort zone. And God has a way of changing that. Because years ago, my comfort zone was right here, and it didn't include children. And so what does God do? He takes me out of that comfort zone and places me into the children's ministry. <laughs> but he said, my people have become so comfortable in things. That they don't step out of that comfort zone in order for his kingdom to be established here in Pontiac. We're going to have to step out of our comforts. A bastard, I don't talk to people. I'm not good at talking to people. I understand. I get that. That's why we have business cards. I'd like to invite you to the house of God. Sorry, Brother David, I know I'm playing havoc with, the, with your camera right now. But we become so comfortable, and, and I don't talk to people, and I, I for sure can't pray for people. You could really pray for people. You, we don't expect you just to slap them upside their head and snap their neck back and pray them through. You don't even have to, just let them know, hey, I'm going to be, I will pray for you. But don't say that and then don't do it. A lot of times we say we'll be praying, just kind of get them out of here. But actually pray for them. Step out of that comfort zone. Because when we step out of his, the comfort zone, his kingdom and will will be established here. Don't think that I'm the only minister in this church. We're all ministers. Because you're going to minister to people that I'll never come in contact with. You're going to bump into people, and, and you're going to be able to tell your testimony, your story, not mine, your own testimony, that will affect others. Let your kingdom come here, God. Let your kingdom be established in this church. It's his will that when we walk in, praise will be on our lips. Praise will be in our steps. And we will experience heaven here on earth. When we do that, stand with me, if you will. Psalms 95, 1 and through 3 says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving 
and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great, a great king above all gods. So I say this, you may not be going through something that you're particularly happy right now, but the psalm says to sing and praise him with thanksgiving. God has done so much for a lot of people in this church. He's protected you. He's sustained you. He's got you to where you are right now. And I believe that he wants us at this time just to lift up a loud, thunderous praise with thanksgiving. Thank him right now for what he's done in your life. Thank him for keeping you. Thank him for sustaining you. Come on, church. Let his kingdom come. Praise him right now. Give him praise. church thank you god that revival is here right now that god your kingdom will be established in this church Jesus. Oh, yes. Come on. Get out of your comfort zone. Praise him for just a moment. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Psalms 107, 1 through 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. If I can't thank God for one thing, I better be thanking him that he showed this poor soul some grace and some mercy. And then the psalmist says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When he hath redeemed you from the hand of the enemy. Church, we are free today. Church, we have victory today. And I believe it's only befitting if we end this service with just a round of praise and let God have his way. Come on, church, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let your kingdom come, God. Let your will be done in this place. Come on, let's praise him. Let God have his way.